It's about mindset, it's about entrepreneurship, and it's about career growth. Whatever we consume on a daily basis will mm. definitely influence us. It felt so amazing that there just wasn't any going back. I couldn't give myself plan B. It has to be commit to plan A. In a while, huh? Yeah. Oh, really? Am I your like, first guest? Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. And we're back. Welcome to the show. We have the privilege in the hot seat of having Mr. Victor Dalmau, the managing director of VW Middle East. Uh, we're going to be talking about all things electric vehicles. We're going to be talking about his 20-year history with the uh, with the VW brand. We're going to be talking about leadership and all that fun stuff. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, let's get ready to rock and roll. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Thanks for the coffee. Awesome. Oh, you're very, you're very welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome. Um, Victor, we're going to jump straight into it, mate. It's uh, You have a very interesting story. You've been with VW for a very long time. You started out as a trainee and you're now the managing director here in the Middle East. Yeah. Tell us about that story. It's a long story and I would say with uh, different um, episodes. Um, I finished studying engineering in Barcelona. I'm from Spain. Um, and after, let's say, jumping into what at that time possibly I would call a normal job, I decided to travel the world a little bit. So I was mm -hmm. in the US, in Australia, I was in London, a little bit in Asia, um, which for me was possibly the real learning, not that much that one in the university. And I would encourage everyone who can do this, especially the youngsters that they are starting now, to do this kind of stuff. But then back to your question, when I started then with a real job, uh, mm -hmm. um, that was as a technical trainer uh, in the Volkswagen Importer in Barcelona, which is the company that imports the car and distributes the car uh, and sales and service the car for the Spanish network. And it was very interesting. At that time, I started, I remember my first training was when we introduced the Touareg. So that's a okay. couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, just a few years back. <laughs> And that was very good because actually that's um, why I started with Volkswagen. It was because of my passion for cars uh, and motorbikes, but for cars in this case. And I love the technique. I'm an engineer myself. I've always repaired my motorbikes. As we spoke before, mm -hmm. I'm into motorbikes. Um, so that was very interesting from a technical perspective. And then, yeah, I left. I never was very fixed on a particular journey. There was only one aspect that I always it was very clear for me is that I wanted to be abroad. I wanted to do an international journey. And I say journey and not career on purpose. Yeah. For me, that was the driver of my decisions on the next stages. Then I moved to different business areas. But then the next jump was when the headquarters, Volkswagen in Germany, asked me to move there to the northern part of Germany, mm -hmm. which was also, besides the, the professional part, was very interesting from a from a personal uh, part also, we got our first kid, Max, that was born there. So he considers himself yeah. German when, uh, <laughs> when he wants. And when Bayern Munich wants, then he says that I'm German. So my team won and not Barcelona. We have a little bit of discussion there. Uh, but then from there, the journey was always with Volkswagen, uh, India, then back to Latin America, short stage in Spain, and now here in Dubai. So, wow. yeah. So, qu question, how, how did that work? So, uh, there'll be a lot of people that are, there's a, certainly a younger generation that listens to the podcast that will be looking to to map out their journey sometimes we talk about entrepreneurship sometimes we talk about growth within within businesses people jump between jobs in order to to travel the world you've taken a different route which is staying within an organization but taking those opportunities to to travel within um employment within the same business how did you how did you find those opportunities how did you how did how did that come about i think that in 
in larger corporations, like, like everything, everything has his pros and cons. One of the advantages of a large corporation like Volkswagen is that it is indeed many companies in one. Mm. We have 12 brands, we have operations all over the world. So in that sense, it's possibly easier if you want and you express this clearly to the organization that you that you are willing to move and to have different types of experiences um, from a content, but also from a geographical perspective. These large corporations facilitate a platform to do that. But mm. I guess that's that, and that has been my journey. But I guess that's not the only way. Sure. Um, but but yeah, that I always say, I've been twenty years with Volkswagen, and by no means I have the feeling that I, I need a change because I've yeah. never been doing kind of the a same. Completely different jobs, yes, completely correct. different territories. I've been changing right? jobs every, whatever, three years, uh, yeah. more or less. So, yeah. What a journey. Nice. Yeah. Bringing us back to maybe your journey here in, in the UAE as well. And uh, with all that diversity in, uh, in your career, how do you see the love of the automotive industry in different markets? And you also talk a lot about sometimes about the the sentimental value of connecting with a brand, right? Connecting with uh, a car manufacturer or a car brand and the story behind that. Have you seen that that connection is different in different markets? Yes, I think that there is, it is different. Um, I think that possibly different markets and also being in South America, I could witness that very strongly. Different markets at a different stages, chronologically speaking, in terms of the emotional relationship with the car. Um, at the beginning of the automotive or, or, or decades ago, it was about performance, racing, most of the emotional attachment to the cars. It was on that angle. Now this has been, um, is shifting, um, especially and in, in the developed markets, but we still have some markets and possibly Middle East, I would consider one of them that they still have that type of emotional connection to the car. Nice, nice. And I mean, with, you know, I think with the automotive industry, we've seen the most amount of change in the past, uh, you know, the past five years or so. I think it's been one of the industries that had to reinvent itself multiple times. Um, how's, how's that journey been uh, for you and, and experiencing that, that almost like rebirth of uh, the identity and, and, and the brand through the EV world, through uh, different products that you guys are trying to push out. Well, you use one one word that I like, rebirth. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or the rebirth. Um, and that is, you said the changes that we've been experiencing. We are at the very beginning. That's why I think rebirth is a very is a very good name. And possibly, and having kids, yeah. I think I can say <laughs> that the birth is just the beginning. <laughs> it is a very intense part, yeah. and that's the one that we are living now, because all manufacturers are start moving into EV seriously. And Volkswagen uh, is one of the ones leading that change, uh, but it's just the beginning. And you know, all the manufacturers are talking about being carbon neutral, but by 2030, mm. 2035, whenever it is. But the journeys are are similar uh, in the end between the different car manufacturers. So somehow, <clears throat> I do feel that we are at the stage that, uh, if if using then your word of rebirth, that we are learning to walk. Maybe, but yeah. you know, from here to a post-teenager uh, stage, there is a long way to go. And, and that's what makes for me very interesting to keep in the automotive business and to encourage you know, the youngsters that possibly they are looking at this spot. Um, if they like it, I think that the automotive industry is a very interesting industry to work for the next couple of decades at least. 
It's been, it's been very exciting recently. We've been fortunate enough to work with you for a little while now. Um, how have you seen the industry change locally over sort of 2019, 2020 through the pandemic and, and what we're seeing now in 2021? We know that you've had some, some significant sales, some new products coming to the market. How has that driven uh, change in the business over the last two years? Okay, in the auto industry, there is there are cycles that are directly related to the product cycles of, mm -hmm. of a particular brand. We've, we are doing very well at the moment as we speak, Volkswagen in the Middle East, we've launched four cars this year and obviously that has helped. Um, but irrespective of this cycle uh, rhythm that, that the business has, um, back to your question on the um, Corona, <clears throat> like every other business, we overnight, we had to learn to work significantly different. Yeah. Um, we had, we have been forced to make adjustments um, to the organization, to the way we work, to our financials um, that were not seen before. Um, and that has been tough from one side, but you learn from difficult times. Um, my personal view is moving forward I do believe, that is my personal view, yeah? I do believe that the automotive industry will continue to struggle with supply chain related issues. We might get to a phase where uh, COVID will be really almost phasing out or making things easier. We all hope for that. And I believe that this point is arriving, but I do believe also that they are um, climate change impacts that will continue we have cyclones here we mm. have you know very high yeah. temperatures there almost hit. that's very you know, <laughs> almost hit yesterday was, was the first one right that, that's yeah. why exactly that came to my mind that then um you know that 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 will continue to affect the supply chain so i think that uh, when they say the next after COVID, what could be the next disruption i think that the next disruption is already here and mm. is all the difficulties the supply chain is very fragile and yeah. uh, we always say a car has thousands of parts. If there is one part missing, you cannot sell that car. Yeah, and that's that's where I see the risk. Yeah, look, I can only imagine the the, cha the specific challenges that you're facing, both with VW but the wider industry with the supply chain. You know, we work with um, DP World, for example, and, and I think there's there's no shortage of information out across uh, news channels at the moment with regards to the fragility of. Uh, supply chains, how we're seeing um, shipping costs increase coming out of China, the bottlenecks around the world in various ports. Um, on top of that, the energy crisis that seems to be brewing in different uh, different parts of the world. You know, I'm from the UK and we're seeing petrol shortages across yeah. the country mm -hmm. at the moment. And, yeah. and whether that's, uh, <clears throat> we won't get into the details of why that's happening, but but it's it's been interesting to, to see how all of this is playing out. Um, certainly how it's going to play out in retail as well because of this supply chain issue um, over the next 12 to 24 months. As you said, I think there's going to be significant upheaval in a lot of those areas. It's going to affect all supply chains, all manufacturing processes. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see how the industry navigates that as well. Yeah. Again, as I said, now it's the semiconductors in the case of, of the automotive industry, but, uh, but I don't think that once the capacity for producing um, semiconductors and, and chips will be extended, which possibly will happen within 12 months, 12, mm. uh, 18 months to, to, to the scale that the world needs it because the demand for uh, semiconductors has and been the increasing. And the backlog is so big now, so it's... Correct. Um, yeah. but, but, but I think, as I said before, that 
that will solve the semiconductor uh, issue. But I think that, that we will continue to have issues because of the fragility of the supply, the supply, supply chain, chain. overall. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, we've grown to be very used to mobility, right? And I think the fact that humans just now, if you think about it 50 years ago, we're okay with like taking one trip a year, but now people are wanting to take yeah. two trips a month and they want to be more mobile and have access to multiple options of mobility. And I think that's, you know, that, that comes at a price for innovation where we need to almost rethink uh, the way forward. And, and that's, you know, back to the rebirth, uh, I guess, segment. How do you see um, the future of, of mobility looking like? And, you know, EVs are being one of them. But, you know, is there, of course, there's a project that you guys are working on, which is Trinity. Uh, yeah. That's super exciting yeah. for, for the few years, which are pushing the boundaries. But I think, is there any other direction uh, that, you th that you feel would be interesting for the mobility uh, world uh, and, and to reimagine how that's going to look like for, for us? Oh, pl plenty of, of talk points with, yeah. your, with, your, with your question remark. Uh, look, a couple of them that come to my mind. I, I do believe and I do agree with you that maybe we've been too spoiled when it comes to the facility of transportation. Um, not just thinking about cars, possibly also, but if you, if you look at how cheap and available air transportation has become for mm. us, it is, or at least before COVID, it was very normal in yeah, the developed exactly. world to take a plane for the weekend go to jordan spend the weekend there in jordan yeah. and then come back yeah um now if you do this once in a while that's possibly okay but we've i personally believe that we've come to a point that it has been we've been too spoiled and it has it has become like a normal but also from a sustainability perspective possibly that is questionable I'm taking other talking points from, from you, Common. I think that one of the um, things that will change in mobility besides the electrification that is obvious, but is what we call the last mile uh, issue, yeah, right? Which is, is very popular at the moment. Which is very yeah. popular. And I think that there are a lot of options that are popping up and, and they are sustainable and practical and doable and affordable. Um, and, and, and I think that that will become uh, very normal, which was not the case before, and that will also be one of the contributors to having a better overall traffic system within the large cities, which is uh, one of the problems. Yeah, I think with, with the last mile mobility, I mean, I, I loved a product called the Boosted Board, which is kind of like electric, electric skateboard. And I was I was using that. And that was the first kind of like introduction for me, at least before scooters were, you know, very popular <laughs> mm. and everything else. And and to see the shift in, in acceptability of, oh, it's cool. Like, yeah, everybody is on a scooter now. I remember you going sco around. scooting around a marina on one of those things with the coffee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our, our first work chat we ever had. Was, was I had one of them, right? Yeah. I was like, what the hell is this guy but doing? But it's exactly, but it's it's that mental, it's that openness to new ideas and new products, right? Yeah. And, and it, it being okay to then consider that last mile um, transport being something that's portable, that's smaller. Uh, it's it's a mindset shift in 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 the mindset of the consumers, it's B2C, it's B2B. If we go back to, uh, I like this um, this topic around organizational change, mindset shift. VW is a brand, you've been there for um, a period of time where you, you've seen a seismic shift in the thinking of the brand, the movement into electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. Can you describe from the company that you first joined and the direction that it was going into where it's going today, where the whole industry is going today with the movement into electric vehicles, which wasn't even a conversation when you first started with the company to, to where you are today. And you look, 
launching multiple brands. We've <coughs> just seen you know, from the Munich Motor Show. Um, it's it's a, a really interesting direction for the company and the products. Can you describe that mindset shift from within the organization from from 20 years ago to where it is today? Yeah. Possibly I'll, I'll, I've witnessed two, two sides of the mindset change. One is the one that possibly you are more referring to that is business-wise. Um, the company has moved from trying to be and, 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 and achieving it at some point, the larger car manufacturer of internal combustion engines. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, that was, a, that was the target, you know, beat the other guys, be the number, number one, one yeah. in volume. Yeah. Two, a vision, a mission, a target, call it as you want to say, we want to be um, a carbon neutral mobility for everyone, affordable, right? And the Volkswagen Group with all its brands from very luxury premium to affordable brands, is possibly in a very good position to, to be able to offer this. Um, this has been, this served then a very noble purpose, if you want, which is to help our planet moving forward yeah. because it's in yeah. dire need of that, right? So that is, that is externally and that is something that you now feel, I guess everyone in Volkswagen feels somehow proud to work for a company that has this mission and this vision. Mm. Not the only one, mm. Yeah, which is good because Volkswagen on its own will not solve, you know, all the, sure, of course. All, the yeah. all the topic. But but I think that genuinely people feel proud in Volkswagen of this um, vision that, that we have or, or this target um, in turn and not before possibly what was there for me as a manager, executive or, or employee or employee of Volkswagen, if Volkswagen achieved to be number one in the world. It's good to mention it with colleagues, etc. But that's it, right? Mm. So generally, yeah. there is nothing for the people. Yeah. There. Um, but secondly, the mindset. Back to your question on, on the mindset is the internal mindset, the, the way we work. And um, I do believe that now we work in a in a better way. Volkswagen has done mistakes in the past, as is uh, um, known. And I do believe that sometimes I say uh, the diesel crisis. Thanks to the diesel crisis, Volkswagen is what it is today and will be where we all believe it will be in the next five, 10, mm. uh, 10 years. So in that sense, the diesel crisis has been something that has pushed to reshape the company in the way that it needed to be reshaped. Okay. Yeah? And that when you work internally, you see the change of mindset internally also. Nice. What excites you about the direction that the brand and the industry is going in when it comes to electric vehicles? Well, that it does good to the planet. Ultimately, um, the transportation industry is the road transportation. So if you if we exclude the air transportation, it's roughly 10, 11 percent of the carbon emissions. So we are not the biggest player, but a significant player. Uh, and Volkswagen having roughly 10 percent of market share with all the brands globally. Mm. Uh, so then we, we could say that we contribute to one percent of the emissions <coughs> of carbon, which is a big responsibility. Um, so. Well, we haven't interviewed anybody from the beef industry yet, so yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll save that. We'll save that big, conversation. Yeah. Look, at, yeah. at least I'm transparent and upfront, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I try to say things as they are. Otherwise, I could transparency for, for the conversation as well. No, but but I mean, um, what's the point on hiding? Uh, people, know. it is what it is. But, I mean, the numbers are available, but, but, right? But looking from the good part, then we are in a position to change something. Yeah, yeah. 
that will have an effect. Yeah. If you are responsible for 0.001, it is important that you do it, like every one of us yeah. has individually. It sure. is important that we save energy at home, you know, that we yeah. try to live in a way that is more sustainable. More conscious, yeah. But as an individual, your impact into the overall global mm. carbon emission is, is 0.001. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the case of Volkswagen, back to, you, back to your point, uh, we do play a role. And therefore, that gives you that give us responsibility from one side, and then um, I think it, it's a challenge that then we all take it to say we can make a one percent difference yeah. in, the, in the planet. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully two percent at some point. Yeah. Two percent. <laughs> let's let's dive in a little bit more in the future. And I think you know if we were to imagine the the road mobility industry and, and Volkswagen as a brand as well, let's say 10, 15 years from now, um, what are what are the technologies and what are you know if you and you talked a lot about the car being an extension of, of the house yeah. um you know if we were to uh imagine that vehicle and i i read somewhere that you guys are calling it also a time capsule because it's going to provide you time while there's you know further automation in um in autonomous driving right so if we have more just time. listening to you to see how <laughs> good or bad we have expressing you know, <laughs> it's good so, right, yeah. <laughs> so i think uh, you know i think w- once we have more time i think what's going to happen is the the demand for more in that platform which is the vehicle is going to increase as well right so how do you then foresee the the the, the partnerships that are going to fruit from providing more time to, to people within the, the transport world and within your vehicles as well yeah, I think that uh, you mentioned it um, uh, quite well. The fr- from one side, autonomous driving. That means that when people are commuting in a car from A to B, at some stage they will be able to do other things than driving, especially the driver, right? Yeah. Um, so that opens up the universe of possibilities of how time can be then better used within the car while transmuting from A to B. Mm. I'm sure Facebook and Instagram have a view well, on yeah. or, go- or Google selling ads, right? Exactly, so. yeah. <laughs> As an example. <laughs> but I would like also to see that people are uh, enjoying their lives then on those times in, in, other, in other aspects, right? Um, that, that is number one, and that will have impacts in how we, uh, on our products, how the cars will be uh, in the next uh, years. There are also, you mentioned it is, is a little bit of a device on wheel. The car should be part of your digital ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, so there should be a seamless transition for, for the, the customer when it moves from home to, um, to that car. Just as an example, if watching a movie at home, then you need to move to the car because you need to go to B, then you can continue uh, watching, watching that film, movie yeah. into mm. the car. Yeah and maybe even the driver because he or she doesn't need to drive, right? So, and, and seamless. Um, that is one thing also, the other possibilities that they are opening now is that uh, what we call the, the launch, digital launch on wheels. We've presented now in the IAA in Munich recently, the ID Life concept, which besides being, again, back to my original point, electrical mobility for everyone affordable because pricing will start somewhere at 20,000 mm-hmm. uh, euros, which then is affordable for a good part of the society. Uh, we are exploring also possibilities of the car being used when you are not commuting from A to B, mm. meaning that car in the parking place could be an extension of the house 
Why? Because it has a large screen that can be used, you know, in the windscreen of the car. Nice. That can be used for watching movies, for playing games, mm. etc. So uh, could be. Interesting. We, we spoke with a team like um, in my generation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who has not sit sat in the has not sit in the car uh, when you were young, you know, with your in your father and your parents' car and pretend that you were driving or just having a chat with yeah. your friends in your privacy of, of that car in the garage or whatever the car was parked right so then uh it's the same concept but let's say professionalized you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah yeah amazing and that's i think that's what's exciting that's exciting about the whole movement towards you know providing more time for people and reimagining uh the function of the vehicle and and what it does as well in our lives moving um more locally what are some of the challenges that are facing the rollout of, uh, of this? I mean, infrastructure is one of them across the Middle East. Yeah. What do you see as some of the biggest barriers to, to the successful rollout of EVs across the region? Um, when we speak about EVs in the Middle East, um, I think that it's very important that then we, we split the region into the different countries. Because mm -hmm. I do believe that when it comes to EV, every country will be different. Sure. I, I do think that countries like the UAE, with all the government initiatives, it will be possibly the first one or the pioneer um, um, to deploy and, and, and to launch their EVs uh, to a larger scale uh, as it is today. Um, I always say the successful, the success of the introduction of the EVs depends on three variables. One is obviously the brand has to have the product available. Yeah. At Volkswagen, we are ready. We have the products. We have launched it in Europe, in the US, in China, the ID family. So, so that part from our side is kind of tick the box. However, that is not the only one because people tend to think, when are you as brand going to launch the vehicle? And then our answer is we are ready, but is the infrastructure available in this yeah. country? Um, and third variable from the three is the customer mindset. Um, it is different to launch an EV from a premium or luxury brand uh, to a more mainstream brand like Volkswagen. And, mm -hmm. and obviously why? Because customers from premium and luxury, it is not the only car uh, they mm. are in, in the household. They have possibly the possibility of the charging infrastructure at home, mm. um, uh, which, and, and, and the usage of that card is for certain particular usage, right? Yeah. So it's not, it's not the only card. Uh, and for the full, whole family, mm. etc. When it comes to mainstream brands like Volkswagen, um, then those customers need to see that it is a viable solution for them. And even if the brand has the products, even if we have the infrastructure, there is always this hesitancy to say, yeah, it looks the car is there, different brands have already the products. Mm. It seems that there is enough infrastructure, but I don't see many of them, of the EVs, I yeah. don't see my friends having EVs, then the range anxiety, which yeah. in some countries yeah. it, it is understandable. In other countries, it is less understandable because really the, the mileage is always within the city, etc. But again, back to the customer is, yeah, rationally speaking, products are there. Infrastructure seems to be there, but nobody mm. has them. We're just a few guys. So I'm waiting. Yeah. Mm. And, so and that's that the third variable. Right? The mindset of the customer needs yeah. to be there. And when the three variables meet yeah are yeah. more or less aligned yeah. then it's the mm. right time because i don't want as volkswagen to be the first mainstream brand uh, <clears throat> to launch the evs i want to launch it at the right time because i want it to be a success if you're yeah. the first yeah, but yeah. then because of what i explained you, you struggle yeah 
that's not something that yeah. you want as a business. And also, I mean, you end up being, as a brand, you end up paying for the education of the market for your competitors then as well, right? If you're that first mover and you're trying to educate that mass market into reaching that tipping point, because it is, mm. it's going to be a tipping point, right? It as is. soon as I see that three out of my 10 friends have it, it okay, I'll it buy it. it. But it if is. there's only one at the moment, as ah, you said, a lot of people is. are in that space where I'll just wait. I, it makes sense. It ticks the boxes, but I'm not going to do it yet. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, as, as you mentioned earlier around the, I suppose the different socioeconomic groups of, of targeting as well. If somebody's uh, got a villa and they can plug it in every night, then it's it's not really a, a, an issue. Range doesn't become so much of an issue. Mm. But if it's an apartment block and there aren't the abilities to, to plug in and you don't have the Correct. facilities, it's it's a completely different conversation to, to, to be had. Um, but, but I fully agree with you. It's because the explanation that I gave maybe gave a too pessimistic kind of impression. I think it will be a turning point hmm. that then people massively will move to, yeah. to EVs. That, that's yeah. what I believe. Question for us yeah. is: is when do we believe that? Exactly. It's just market happen. timing, right? Yeah, yeah, um, correct. Let's market it properly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, complete change of direction now. Uh, one of the things that I, I enjoy following you on LinkedIn. Um, we're fortunate to work with you and your team and see how you how you lead um, and how you how you operate in in business. And I think all of us as business leaders have been tested through through recent times with COVID and, and how we've handled these things. Um, what is your approach to, to leadership in your organization? And how do you think that's equipped you to deal with the change that you're going through at the moment? How long we have? <laughs> <laughs> this is, is the juicy stuff. Is, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think the, uh, to, to the question at the end, what is your view on, on, on leadership? Um, I, I can give you some, some thoughts. Um, but, but before that, I, I do believe that a good leader, you don't learn this in a, in a leadership handbook. Um, so I think that any suggestion, tips on how to be a good leadership, etc. people should take this very carefully. Everyone is different. Everyone acts different. The same person in different environment with different groups will act differently. So I... I'm not very um, keen on on these rules. How you know good leadership, etc. Now, in my book, and I said my book because everyone will have a different one. Mm. Um, I think empathy plays an important role to start with. If if you don't know how to connect to people, if you have difficulties to connect with people, th then possibly it will be possible, but you will struggle a little bit more. Another variable important for me is um, to, to, to give, to empower people, to give responsibility to people, um, but really doing this, not just saying it, but doing it mm -hmm. with the consequences that sometimes you would do things differently, but you have to respect the fact that if you give freedom, people will take freedom, right? Mm. And that's what it is at the end. Because ultimately you are as good or as bad as an executive as, as your team is. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, difficult to, Summer, I said it's yeah. a little bit learning by, by doing, think, just, yeah. just living it. It's, yeah. it's not that I have five rules and one, two, three, five. hundred percent. I, th I think the, the major jump for me as well is, is the fact that everyone's different and, I, and people react differently in situations. And, and, you know, a big portion of it is, you know, we hear these self-taught self-help books or self-help speakers about top five things I learned and top, and, and it's very important to take what's relevant to, to, to you as a human and, and to your journey. Um, 
and and empathy is a big one as well that we subscribe to and 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 read the center of uh, the way that we we like to connect and do partnerships and business with clients and internally as well uh, with the team. And I think having that human connection is super important. And sometimes it goes a lot further than kind of just a very strict business format, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, partnership, whether it's internally or externally as well. I think what, one one thing that is worth mentioning now comes to my mind trust and uh, also back to your comment on, on corona yeah we've lived times yeah within the last one and a half years mm. that i think as a, as a as a leader um if you have been transparent firm but transparent to your people um and they trust you then it's easier to navigate these difficult times yeah. so they are not over mm-hmm. um I, I think trust is a very important component that takes long way to earn it mm. but it can take five minutes to lose it right for sure it, it absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that is that is that is key i think going back to your point around um empathy earlier <clears throat> we're, we're big proponents of empathetic leadership and and it's how we navigate leadership within our organization and how we try and grow grow the business um i would venture to say that empathy a lot of empathy comes from experiences in terms of for example you've been a leader at different levels in many different countries with many different people in in many different ways would you say that that set you up for uh, being empathetic in terms of how you lead here today because you have the ability to connect with many different people because of all of the experiences that you've had um i do believe that because of my journey i have high sensitivity for where are people coming from yeah meaning yes culture is is one important aspect especially in this market right because every team is made up is multicultural yeah our team i think it was 30 30 30 something different nationalities that's something that Mm. is it blows my mind still today it it is one of the super interesting things of, of dubai that really you have the whole planet in one city. In one city. Yeah, 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 100%. Absolutely. You can meet all sorts of different 100%. people and yeah. you don't need to get out of the city. So, um, but, um, yeah, I think that is, that is an important um, aspect that I always try to see where that person is coming from. And mm. coming from means uh, cultural, but also coming from, from a psychological perspective, what is yeah. important for that person, what he or she is uh, sensitive to, uh, what is important uh, for that person and try to first feel it, know it, sense it, and second, act accordingly. Yeah? I yeah. think that is very important, yes, to put yourself in the feet of the others. I do believe in this a lot. However, to put yourself also on your feet. Mm. <laughs> because if you overdo it, then you yeah. will just do what the others want. And, and yeah. especially in my case, with the role that I have, I need to I need to lead the organization to a certain direction. So at the end of the day, we need to commonly agree on what is the direction. Yeah. Um, I, I think the art possibly is to be able to merge and to mix the interest of that person and your mm. own interest. I think it's very important as a leader, if you want one of the, of the rules, yeah. <laughs> is that you know yourself very well. Yeah. Because you know yeah. what is, you know, what, what affects you, what doesn't, what you are sensitive to, what is important to you, what is not. It helps you then to acknowledge when you overreacted, when you maybe were too weak with that person mm-hmm. and you had to be a little more strict. So knowing your people 
It's mm. very important, but possibly as much as knowing yourself. Very true. The Brene Brown has, uh, um, in terms of one of her kind of rules, uh, it's quite similar to what you said there. It's um, it's strong back, soft front, and the strong back meaning that you have your non-negotiables. That that's is, a very good sentence. That I, is, I, I, that's yeah, a very good one. Yeah. It's that's who you are. So you don't ah. you don't negotiate outside of those non-negotiables. This is who I am. Now I've got a firm back, but it's a soft front too the people that you're dealing with because mm. as you said you have to be empathetic to where they're coming from whether that be cultural psychological or any other um any other way and it's uh, yeah, yeah remind, it's, reminded it's, me it's of a that. good one actually i think that people do appreciate if they see that that the boss is clear mm. that there is yeah firmness yeah. A, and there's there's a framework. not in not in the in, in the way but there is firmness in thought in direction Intention, yeah. i think that gives yeah. confidence to people the guy knows where where we're going where yeah. we're going <laughs> exactly and that is important and they can say boss we can go five degrees more left or right or this or that important to listen to them that's why you have a team yeah. and say actually you're right hmm. also to to correct yourself back to to building trust i think it's important because say look this is a guy that listens to us not just yeah. hears but listens exactly. to us yeah and and at the end i try always to make a decision together with the team yeah um but yeah that's a very good sentence mm. actually. amazing but it's good it's a good book yeah <laughs> dare to lead dare to lead by Brene brown Mentioned just read that, read that recently yeah, yeah, yeah it's really good it's really um bring it let's bring it back to let's say a person that's interested <clears throat> to join the automotive industry uh somebody who's completely fresh they're deciding to start somewhere what, what kind of advice would you give them i'll give one advice and um, in his try to identify what moves you what really drives you once you've identified this and it's not easy mm. especially when you are 20 20 something mm. so it's okay at the beginning of a career if you cherry pick a little bit you do six months in an agency mm. not for See me you, you yeah. move to another uh, industry not for me uh, if you cherry pick uh, several times it might leave that person to a certain frustration, insecurity, etc. But but I think it's worth doing it, and not just staying on the first uh, company sector, whatever, just for the sake of of you know um, of going up the ladder. Uh, I think that you have to find what you like because you can only be good, really good, at what you like. Nice, nice. So that would be my my first advice. Yeah. And maybe if there's a second one, um, is um don't get obsessed on you know uh, getting up the ladder and, and you know getting to a to a higher positions higher salary it's not about this life life is about enjoying the journey yeah. it's just that when you are 20 something you don't understand these things yeah. but, you don't understand until but, later that's the problem right it is, <laughs> but it is like this right so, 100%. so, so find, find w w what moves you and enjoy it and, and don't get obsessed on, on certain positions or, or salaries or whatever. I think that's a, a beautiful note to, yeah. to finish the podcast on. Victor, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been a real pleasure to have a chat with you. I think you've added a huge amount of value to the listeners as well in many thank different you. areas. Uh, so thanks for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you. Very Cheers. Much. Thank you.